Teams. Nice. Oh yeah, Teams is the best is the way to go. Huh. And, and we're live, so we're we're rocking. Yeah. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Doctor Bowers. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well. I feel like you don't like it when I call you Doctor Bowers. It's just it's just a thing. I don't know. They're mm. working in higher ed now. There's a there's an arrogance at times that comes with that, and I've just always said like. I just took on a lot more student debt than most people. Uh, I had a teacher at a school I worked at who said a P who said a PhD means piled on higher. That's probably true. <laughs> I just looked at him like, but I don't like, totally agree with that. I think education is very important, right? Yeah, I mean, I clearly I was passionate about it. Mm -hmm. My my goal for doing a doctoral degree was to work in a higher ed institution so that my kids could go to school i mean i wasn't mm. i became more passionate about research because it's what it required but i wasn't like waking up thinking about how do i research this or how do i research that it was really an investment in future mm -hmm. so i never asked you what's your doctorate in it is a phd in organizational leadership and so it's from a business school but my my research, my focus was in ecclesial leadership. So mm. kind of creativity and innovation in church leadership. Creativity and innovation in church leadership. Yeah. So how did you get to that point and want to <laughs> do that? Um, so I am a, I mean, I've worn multiple hats, but I'm a, I've been a pastor for 20 years. And the last 10 years was in what's called a church planting role. So mm -hmm. We moved back here to Buchanan. We started a church from the ground up and it's, you know, it's a work of entrepreneurship. It's a work of, mm. um, you know, leading a congregation, but really it requires different skill sets, different strategy, different focus, because you're starting with no body of believers and you're kind of building from there. Um, and I think through that process, you know, I kind of became like really focused on why are we seeing so much decline in the church in the US? Mm. And, you know, everything you read right now, everything you look at, if you look at the churches, pastors are burning out, congregations are getting disinterested, um, commitment is kind of low. And so when I was in school, everything kept coming back to two things. It was how do we how do we help leaders stay healthy and sustainable? Mm. How do we fight kind of the social emotional pressures of, mm. of ministry and leadership? And then what is what is creative leadership what does innovation look like in an organization that is really struggling in mm -hmm. in a lot of ways yeah i would think that to be a pastor to want to be a pastor you know it's a different set of skills than a business person to some extent to some extent and there's right? Some overlap. <laughs> so, right i mean i guess i guess i mean so someone wants to be a pastor it's because i want to serve people the gospel yeah. those types of things yeah. but to be a pastor you also have to deal with church budget right and people skills yes. and fixing a leaky roof i guess from time to time or knowing who to call to fix the leaky roof yeah yeah, yeah. which is why i think we see so much struggle in the church in in specifically the protestant church right now because we have leaders who are feel a calling or a passion for preaching for caring for people for mm -hmm. their highly relational skills they're highly um kind of focused on study and preparation and presenting 
but we're also expecting those same people to be really good at business and logistics mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and most people are not good at both of those things and and we don't train for that and part of that is not a people issue i think it's a model issue i think in the you know the 80s 90s the church really became a corporation and we mm -hmm. we started taking growth models from fortune 500 companies and thinking we could adapt this and go that seems like a mistake dr bauer <laughs> i think it's surely a mistake yeah. and i think we're you know COVID didn't i say this all the time COVID didn't break things things were already broken COVID just revealed it yeah and i think we're seeing the fallout of that as as all this kind of comes comes to pass mm -hmm. so. yeah i think it's it's almost the same for education to some hmm. not the same but it's similar yeah people get an education to help people to serve or because they love their their subject right and then you get in and realize that's actually a pretty small part of this yeah you know there's the there's the red tape that yeah. is needed I mean, we definitely need laws and regulations and stuff but sometimes people can get lost in the weeds with that and I'm looking at the book that's propping up the microphone <laughs> the four disciplines of execution mm. and how like if we aren't focused on our goals and we make time for those we get lost in the what's your phrase about the urgent that uh, it's Covey, it's Stephen Covey tyranny of the urgent the tyranny of the urgent yeah. and I imagine being a pastor is the same yeah if you can get lost in what's just yeah. today's issue yeah for sure and you know it's education is a great model because you think about teachers teachers are these gifted individuals usually who are really good at leading a classroom on their own they right. create that space they develop the content they structure it they present it um, but they are also expected to be highly collaborative mm. and you've got to work well with 25 or 40 or 60 other professionals in the mm. building mm -hmm. most people don't function in both of those realms well mm. and it's it's like our kids my, my kid comes home and has 110 percent in art class and an F in science, what gets the majority of my attention was well, the science grade. Sure. Yeah, because we are a we tend to focus on our weaknesses and say, fix that mm -hmm. instead of saying you're really passionate about art. How do I help you thrive mm -hmm. in that? And I think as a leadership challenge, that's part of the thing is how do we identify where someone's skill sets lie? Their, their natural strengths, their natural passions mm -hmm. and help them live towards that, whether they're a pastor, whether they're a teacher, whether they're a student and then say, let's be strengths focused. Mm -hmm. and help them help them develop in that and then let's put the people around them that can achieve and help their weakness as a pastor i'm not i am not the best at kind of the caring for people shepherding piece mm -hmm. which i tell my congregation all the time like you probably don't have the best pastor you have a pretty good teacher you have mm -hmm. a pretty strong strategist mm -hmm. um but that means my congregation we've got to equip other people to help care for our congregation well, which is really what the church should be, is we're equipping others to to grow in that way. Mm. Yeah, I, I can only imagine what it's like to be responsible for people's like spiritual health, because my role as a principal and a coach, all this will pass away in a hundred years, nobody's gonna care <laughs> like the, what our football record was. and. <clears throat> you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, this is Buckhannon, and probably have, people have records somewhere. Uh, it's very, 
it's very interesting being in a small town. People can quote things that happened 60 <laughs> years ago. And that's cool because other places I've coached, people don't right. remember or aren't, or aren't even around. Or right. maybe the school didn't even play football 60 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, we were team 114 this past year. We'll be team 115 mm-hmm. next year mm-hmm. or this upcoming year. And uh, yeah, it's just interesting how yeah. how that all that all rolls because there's more of a, a history here. Um, and I would love for you to talk about your new your new role. You switched roles since you've been yeah. on, on the podcast. Yeah, I um so I used to teach at the high school where where you were. I did that for a year. Uh, really, really did love it. Um, and then had an opportunity at the college in our town at West Virginia Wesleyan. Uh, they were looking for a director of career services and experiential learning. So really all that means is about half of my job is helping students develop the skill set, the resources, and take the steps to find a job after their education. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of career fair stuff, a ton of networking, a ton of resume coaching, cover letters. And then the other half of that, the experiential learning piece is students that are still in school who are looking for internships, um, shadowing opportunities, you know, which those two pieces, I, I I tell everybody I love it because the students that come to me need my help and want my help. It is oh, yeah. it's, it's a real life thing. Um, you know, college is this usually this great time of fun and community mm-hmm. and enjoying and yeah, we're challenged and we're growing in our classes. But there's a reality that as, as the end of that approach is that I've got to find a job. I, I've got mm-hmm. to be able to eat food and sleep indoors. Mm-hmm. Like that's really important. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where my job lies is just kind of helping students in in all those places. I have to eat food and sleep indoors. Yeah. I like that. That's awesome. <laughs> that reminds me, I was in, when I was at East Carolina as a as a redshirt freshman, I think. I was at this buddy of mine's house playing video playing a video game. I think it was like Madden. And <clears throat> this guy was in the room. And my friend looked at the guy and he said, what are you going to do with that art degree you have? I just called him out. Just And I loved that my friend, um, his name was Eric. And I looked at him like, I don't know. Because we get to college, and I can only speak for myself. And the counselors are awesome people. They have the mm-hmm. best motive. They want to help you mm-hmm. find something you're passionate about. But it doesn't always mean you find something you, you major in something you can make a living in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you see that some? Somebody yeah. has a major and they're going, what do I do with this? Absolutely. We so we talk, I talk all the time about the tension between passion and practicality, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. The yeah. practicality matters. You've got to be able to find a career, a job that is going to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. But you've also, as a human, you've got to be in something that you're passionate about or you're mm-hmm. going to be miserable. Right. You know, and um, when it, you know, part of the illusion of college is for these young adults is I'm going to study this major and that's going to pave the way for my career. Oh, and at an undergrad yeah. level, that's really not the case anymore. No. Uh, you know, it's no. nobody is, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but most people, unless they're in a very technical science education they're not doing what they majored in it's mm-hmm. not I, I majored in psychology and i got a psychology job mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. there's there's 2500 off opportunities or they're going on for grad school which is becoming more narrow more focused mm-hmm. um but in spite of that you've got to you've got to find some practical space to help people say okay you're studying art what 
does that mean in the day to day? You mm -hmm. know, what does that mean to the day to day when you graduate? Yeah, my undergrad was in exercise physiology, basically. Mm -hmm. It's actually behind us. Uh -huh. uh, it was a bachelor of science, uh, kinesiology fitness specialist, which I used that for maybe like three days yeah. <laughs> and then realized uh, I came out of school in 2008. So huh. the economy had just boom. So yeah. people weren't paying for that. And yeah. People were cutting people. So I thought, sure, become a teacher. That sounds good. Mm -hmm. And uh, here we are 15 yeah. years later. <laughs> like you were saying, yeah, I mean, I think the grad degree is what mm -hmm. a lot of people are going towards. Do you see that at Wesleyan? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and a lot of it comes down to your network. You know, who, mm -hmm. are, who are the people around you and who are the mentors? Mm -hmm. and who do you know and what? what realms are opening up to you. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I think in a lot of ways that has become harder for these young adults to discern. Mm -hmm. They're in a space where, you know, if you look at most studies, conversations today, we're talking about adulthood is delayed and adolescence has been extended. Oh, for sure. You know, so students are not really becoming adults. They're going back home and living till they're 25 and, mm -hmm. you know, 30 years old at times. And so helping these students find some some steps toward adulthood mm -hmm. you know helping them hey like it is a risk but you need to take this step you need to move towards this yeah i i think i see it in high school too mm -hmm. that we're seeing i guess younger behavior out of high school kids yeah that even when not, i'm not the person that says <clears throat> back in my day you know right. like back but it just seems like people are not as mature. So mm -hmm. an example that happened this week, we were, the library is giving away books because there's old books and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's, we were talking about the brothers Karamazov before mm -hmm. the podcast. And that's where I found it or the librarian mm -hmm. found it. It was very kind to that's let cool. me use it. And kids are talking about, well, I'm in there. Kids are talking about the books that are on the table. And man, that seems really tough and difficult. And I'm thinking to myself, Oh, those were the books I read in high school or we were required to read. Yeah. And I think at some point we dropped the expectation level a little bit too much. Yeah. And I mean, somebody told me once that, that like the word teenager is a modern invention. Mm -hmm. Like in the, yeah. the ancient world, you went from a child to a speak like males, like a child to a man. Yeah. It wasn't like you got this, oh, you can be a. Yeah. teenager no 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 like you hit yeah. adulthood once you hit this age and things were expected yeah and i imagine i mean that's changed these days but i imagine you see a lot of that in yeah i i think so and i think a lot of that comes down to it's i kind of harp on this all the time i think it comes down to a breakdown of adult mentoring mm -hmm. um you know i always joke with my dad about the the hardy's crew that shows up at 6 a.m mm -hmm. the old guys and you know, great guys, but they're retired. They're they're there every morning, and mm. typically they're kind of harping on how bad this generation is. Oh, for sure. And you know, they just don't get it. They didn't, you mm. know. And right or wrong, those guys have the capacity in the space that they could be mentoring right. a younger generation. Right. And and you know, we have a fatherless generation who's growing up, you know, or parentless generation that could benefit from mentors. So there's this breakdown of mentoring. There's also, and I think this is what, kind of what you're naming, 
we've lost this idea of the rites of passage. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it used to be, and still in parts of the world, when you're 12 years old as a young boy, you go do something that tells you you're a man. Right. And you you fight that lion or whatever it is, yeah. and you come back yeah. and go, I'm a man. I know I'm a man. Mm-hmm. And our our kids today don't really have those anchor points that define who they are. And so they're left in that teenager space or, you know, 23 years old and 32 hours a day on video games or what, you know, and Oof, yeah. we're just kind of scanning going, who am I and what do I do with this? Right. When I had a longer commute to work, because <laughs> now my commute to work's a total of seven minutes, uh, <laughs> I would hear ads on the radio that were paid for by the government that were talking about fatherhood mm. and being a father. And I yeah. thought to myself, oh my gosh, we are in trouble. Yeah. If we're having to put ads on the radio about being a dad. Yeah. And that's the elephant in the in the room in most schools I've been in is the lack of male. I guess leadership's a word I could mm-hmm. use there mm-hmm. or like males coming alongside their their sons or stepsons or you know, if they're a guardian. Right. But like that, that piece uh, yeah. is something that we can really stand to use some more people to to help us with yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and and i think helping helping men to to have a healthy masculinity to themselves Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. all the all the buzzwords of toxic masculinity and all that stuff like it there's something to that but a lot of that is what does it mean you know you and i have talked in the past what does it mean to understand my emotions to understand mm-hmm. what i'm feeling to have people that i can name that to and mm-hmm. press that in with and that's that's hard to do the guy i do that with is sitting here in the room with me yeah <laughs> uh yeah and i think a lot of that for me i can only speak in the eye uh comes down to how do we as males deal with things that go wrong mm-hmm. because if it's not modeled for you as a yeah. child, there can be some very inappropriate reactions yes. to that. Yes. And dealing with anxiety and anger. And, and I, I bet you, I bet I can name it. I bet here's a topic that I can, I can name that. I bet you speak about every Sunday suffering. I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just like, you're like, oh no, stay away from that one. Yeah. <laughs> But we are. Our Christmas series is going to talk about suffering. <laughs> no doubt. And it's interesting when we read the Bible or read writings of the saints or like Dostoevsky, who I've we were talking about this before the podcast yeah. started. I've really gotten into mm-hmm. Dostoevsky. Is that how you say it? Sounds right to me. I'll like I'll try, you've read more than I have. <laughs> but it's like people in the old, back in them old times, right? <laughs> uh, we're way more comfortable talking about suffering and yeah, how it's okay. Like this is mm-hmm. what it is, but this has formed me and shaped me. Mm-hmm. But we live in a society, in my opinion, where it's social media. So I had to put the best of me out there at all times. I yes. can't acknowledge suffering. Yep. That this is hard. Yep. Uh, and if our kids are suffering, we want to manage it. We want to comfort oh, yeah. and cover and yeah. And it's done something to our psyche as a society for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's funny. I had this experience. Um, I did a really long run a couple of weeks ago. And part of the the aftermath of that was I had a toenail that got like really damaged, just kind of gross. But 
had to go up to the the uh, the ER mm -hmm. to it was infected, get some pressure relieved. The numbing shots that they gave me hurt more than anything I've ever experienced in my life. Like mm -hmm. it was some of the most intense pain I've ever felt. Mm -hmm. And a couple of days later, I was thinking about that and I was telling somebody about it. And I had this moment of like, man, this is a good story. Like, this is just, this is a story that I'm going to tell for years mm -hmm. to come. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times when we talk about suffering, there, there is so much, if we could embrace it as the ancient people did mm -hmm. and say, you know what? Pain isn't a curse. Pain is actually, if you study it, it's a sensation that we feel to tell us what's happening mm -hmm. it's some it's a gift like pain if you don't feel pain you have more problems in life mm -hmm. right and if, mm -hmm. if we could embrace suffering as this you know not that we're excited about it not that we're happy about mm -hmm. it but understanding stories of redemption are going to come out of this stories mm -hmm. of hope are going to come out of this mm -hmm. it it is it's a change in psyche mm -hmm. and it it changes you know our whole perspective yeah it's sometimes it's the lord saying hey i need to open that thing up fully to yeah to cleanse this thing yep, uh, right. yep. And yeah, that's a whole nother series of podcasts. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Jack, and I can't imagine going back to kind of the beginning of the, the podcast, you as a pastor, you know, walking with a whole congregation there and, but you're, but yourself needing space to mm -hmm. decompress. Mm -hmm. And I mean, as a coach, I feel that as an administrator, I feel that a lot. And that's not the level of being a pastor. But it's similar. Yeah. But it's people just coming to you and this is these are my problems, these are my issues, this is what's going on. And yeah, but if if we aren't healthy, like we don't put the oxygen mask on, mm -hmm. we're not gonna be able to help people. Yeah. Yeah, you can't somebody told me a long time ago, you can't pour from a pitcher that's empty. Mm. And you know, it's a great cliche that I wish I had really taken to heart before I burned out a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because I did. I mean, it, it hit a point where I had to take sabbatical. I had to take some breaks and just go, man, this this is the first time in my life that depression feels real and anxiety feels real. And, mm -hmm. you know, every Saturday night I was struggling to sleep because I knew Sunday was coming and I was struggling mm -hmm. to walk in there. And and literally this was the and this sounds awful, but but what I was feeling was. I don't know how to love these people well. I'm so frustrated. I'm tired. Um, mm -hmm. And until I, you know, I, I was on a run and I felt like the Lord said to me, you've got to step away from this for a while or I'm going to take this away. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it was about the church. It was mm -hmm. this sense of like, you've got to get a break. You've got to, Jesus went into the wilderness, right? Like he oh, yeah. prayed regularly. He went to solitary places mm -hmm. and that had become such a little habit in my life that I needed to do that, needed to be obedient to that for health to come back. Um, and it was, it was incredibly healing. Uh, not everything is perfect, but I'm in a healthier place. I've got better boundaries. I'm able to say no to people, uh, you know, just my family's healthier. Cause you know, you were talking about men, most men, I heard somebody say this, I don't remember who it was, but most men are living in spaces where if we feel like things are really good at work, we feel like we're not doing well at home. Mm -hmm. Or if we feel like they're really good at home, we feel like we're not doing well at work. And so we live in this tension of guilt and compartmentalization and do we measure up and what do, how do we balance this? What does this look like? Mm -hmm. and it's just super, super difficult. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I can only speak for myself, but compartmentalization for me is a, a no-go. It all has to go in the middle of the floor now yeah. and then sort through it. Yeah. Uh, man, that, that's so much harder Yeah. <laughs> because it's, so what's going on here at, you know, work, family life. And for me, I've, I've talked to my counselor about this. Uh, if things are going well, it's, I'm looking for what's about to happen wrong. Yeah. And that it can almost get to a, a paranoia. Yeah. Kind of the impending doom. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had experiences in my life that have, that have conditioned me for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've had, I'm working through that now. I mean, I work through it. I got some tools from my counselor yeah. and, and trying to deal with that because that can be like self-destruction 101 you know yeah. if you're looking yeah. for something bad to happen you may cause something bad to happen yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah oh that should be and then you know uh i was listening to a podcast and it finds the clients i'll give a free plug he doesn't need it but uh <laughs> he was talking about sometimes we as men if things are going well there's something inside us and it's like we want to just burn the whole thing down mm. like just there's this uh, some other place that's better or something of that nature and yeah yeah maybe that sounds weird but when he said that I thought oh my gosh like yeah yeah I've definitely felt that yeah my life do you is your I would imagine your bs meter is really high if if that's the challenge of what you're like like put it all out there this I just gotta I can't compartmentalize I bet when you see it in other folks as a leader as a coach as a professional I bet it's really easy to spot yeah, just be real. Obviously, in a professional setting, there's boundaries. Yeah. But like, just just come with it, man. Yeah. Just tell me what's up. Shut yeah. the door and let's talk. Yeah. Uh, and I'm yeah. sure as a pastor, somebody comes in. Hey, I'm dealing with this. And I'm sure you think in your mind, let's let's get to it. What's the thing? What, the what's thing? the thing behind the thing? Here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. What, what's your? Are people in your experience are most people willing to do that, or is it? It takes a minute. Well, no, I don't think most people are willing to do that. It goes back to Adam and Eve, right? What's the first thing they do is well, they, they realize they're naked. Yeah, <laughs> like, right, yeah. And they hide from from God and they blame each other. Mm. So, like, there's our original sins is hiding and blame. Mm. Um, and, and that's just pervasive, right? Mm. It's it's me. It's, it's why our conversations are so refreshing because I feel like it's truly authentic. Mm. Like, here it is. Here's where we are. Um, but yeah, I, I think all the time I'm asking what's what's the what's the thing behind the thing? You mm-hmm. know, what's the what's the real heart of this? What's mm-hmm. what's the pain? What's the brokenness? Um, mm-hmm. And can we make you can we give you courage to to open up and name it? Yeah, yeah, it's actually look at it. Yeah, uh, I've like the counselor I saw, I've seen uh, talked about whatever that is imagine it's a lion in the room with you mm. but you can tell that lion what to do wow he yeah. actually said you can tell that lion to shut the f up yeah he, you know and yes like yeah. yes you can yeah but it's okay that it's sitting right there right and right for me that's a visualization tool i use often yeah when i feel anxiety or anxious or anger that lion's in the room yeah I can tell it to shut the F up. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think some of that is, I mean, back to kind of the American church model, it's a guilt inducing culture, Mm -hmm. right? So 
it, it comes to our understanding of sin. Sin is the thing that we've done wrong and you're guilty. And so you've got to mm. deal with this and by the way, feel guilty, but then you're forgiven. Congratulations. And like, right. there's part, part of that is true. Like we, we have individual sin. We have things that we are guilty of that we've committed, but sin is so much bigger than that. Biblically, mm. sin is also corporate sin. There are entire, there are parts mm. of the scriptures that say the entire nation needs to repent right. of this thing. Right. There are sins that you carry or I carry that we're not guilty of because someone committed it against us mm. and I'm carrying the weight of that sin. And, you know, there's a reason your Catholic tradition, James talks about confess your sins and you will be healed. Mm. It's the power of confessing those things to say, here's the lion. <laughs> here's the thing right. that's coming after me. And right. it may be my fault, but it may not be. It may be the shame of somebody else and right. naming it is really, really intense. Mm. So, I was, somebody told me this when I was going through RCIA, like to come in, to come into the church that during Lent, anybody can go to confession. Mm. I would say to the listeners out there, if you can find a Catholic church during Lent, go in there and just no. <clears throat> there's like a procedure of what to say, bless me, Father, if I've sinned, whatever. Uh, but yeah, man, it's so cathartic. Yeah. Even if you don't have that belief system. Yeah. Like it is so cathartic just to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like here it yeah. is, and they have somebody listen, and man, that's that's it, it. It's vomiting when you're sick, right? Like it's yes, it's that yes stomach bug that you just feel queasy, 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 and then you throw up, and it's like, oh man, I feel better. Like, it, I got it out. And like, and for me, it's being afraid. It, and when you're sick, you're afraid to do that. Oh, I will feel worse. Right. When that's not, it's not. You'll feel worse in the moment when that's, you're yeah doing that's, it. That's your body's mechanism of. Getting rid of the poison, whatever it is. Stuff. Yeah, man. yeah. Hey, Pastor, thank you for coming on. This yeah, morning. I love it, and it's a, it's always a joy. It is a joy. We, uh, I feel like I think I told you this before that you should start your own podcast. I feel like I have one. You, that's right. You do have one. You, what is it called? It's called Better Stories. Better Stories. Mm-hmm. You told me that. I'm yep. a terrible friend. No, you're good. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we, my, my wife and I kind of did it like 2019. Okay. And it died during COVID. So this, we brought it, I brought it back this year and I've got like seven or eight episodes out now that, that it's gone well. It's been fun. It's just, I, mm. when I early did it, um, we were doing interviews and then I was doing these live events and mm. there's a, there's a lady McNeemer house. They used to do like house concerts and stuff. And I would, I put these talks together that were like, sermons but not sermons i would ever give at church okay and so people people would sit around they'd bring wine and food and we just it was a blast it was so fun but they they shut their place down and couldn't do it anymore so because it was really cool it was really awesome so 